Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back in on 610 Sports Radio, Dusty Likens, Nick Price. With you once again, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Leading you up to the guys of Fesco in the morning. I mean, my schedule is completely just screwed. What are you going to do after this? Probably eat breakfast from some fast food joint and then probably pass the, just pass out. Yep. I mean, I did just get, like, these blackout curtains in my room. Oh, so close. So there's a possibility that my room will probably look like uh, Edward Scissorhands, uh, where there's just no light. It's dark. It smells like blood. I don't know why it will smell like blood, but I just feel like I just, I, I don't know. That's probably what Edward Scissorhands' room smells like. Right. From the text line, from the Smitty's Garage Burger and Beer text line, 69306. Feel free to chime in if you're working the graveyard shift or you're just out and about or you're like CJ from earlier. You're just sitting on a couch with some stale gates and you're just still hungry and chilling. Has Mahomes eclipsed George Brett and Lynn Dawson as the sports icon of Kansas City? This is a problem that we can talk about on Saturday when we do our show of Out of Bounds, but this is part of the problem of getting caught up in the now. Um, He has not passed Lynn Dawson yet because he doesn't have the accolade that Lynn Dawson has. Now, if he does win the Super Bowl this year, yes, as a Kansas City Chiefs sports icon, he will then be the biggest and the best sports icon for the Kansas City Chiefs moving forward. I think he's already there, but again, we'll save it for Saturday. Right. When it comes to George Brett, eh. George Brett's a Hall of Famer, World Series winner, um, ambassador of the town. Like, if he can take over as George Brett's role in the uh, jury duty videos... Uh, then possibly, but no, George Brett's still Kansas City's own uh, just because of, you know, what he's done and how long he did it. Like, George Brett was great for, like, 15 years. Yeah. Like, George Brett has a batting title in three different decades. He has a very high percentage of getting voted into the Hall of Fame of approval voting. Um, and, like, it's just just time is, is of – uh, is not on Mahomes' side. Like, Mahomes has been in the league three years. He's won an MVP, and he's gone to a Super Bowl. So it's very easy to jump on that in-the-now moment. But, no, he hasn't passed George Brett yet. I think you got to think about it, too, just like the days that we're living in right now with technology and social media and all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, it allows people to grow in popularity a lot quicker than it yeah. was back in the day. And not only that, but, like, even commercials are more – more amped up in the in the 2020s than they are than they were in the 1980s like right you know hyvee and price shopper weren't pumping out commercials every 10 minutes and state farm wasn't right behind it and, yeah you know that's just the way it is and the nfl wasn't as marketable as it was 
uh, as it is now than it was in the 80s. Like in the 80s, you could go to Chiefs games for $5 and sit on the 50-yard line. Nowadays, $5 is going to get you a cigarette butt in Arrowhead Stadium. Um, we teased it that like you tend to root for the sweetheart mentality or the nice guy mentality. Um, I think this is part of the reason why I would feel now, then again, this is just me in a grab bag of emotion. I would assume that a lot of people in the nation will be rooting for the Kansas city chiefs to win the super bowl because one, the only people that have a connection to these teams will be people in San Francisco and people in Kansas city. I get it. There's fans in Oklahoma. There's fans in, in Oregon that root for the, for the Niners. But what I'm saying is, is that in general, when you think about it, does Andy Reid kind of put the Chiefs over the top? And I think the answer to that is yes. I mean, hell, even the Chiefs might do that. Like, the Chiefs haven't won a Super Bowl since 1969-70 when they beat the Minnesota Vikings in Super Bowl Four. Four, Right? The Niners were like the team of the 80s. Like, Montana won four Super Bowls with the Niners, and then Steve Young won one in 94 with Nate versus the the San Diego Chargers when they had Natron Means and their quarterback was Stan Humphreys. That was the name of the quarterback for the Chargers, Stan Humphreys. They also just went to a Super Bowl not that long ago. Yeah, they went to one, the power went out, and it was brother versus brother and Kaepernick versus Flacco and all this type of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's a different style of team this year. But San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan don't really give you the good feel story that some people like when they watch the rule, because like we've said, the Super Bowl is a, what do you want to call it? Like a non-titled holiday. Like everybody watches the Super Bowl on Sunday. Like if they could just give people the day off on Monday after the Super Bowl, so many people would be happier in this world. Oh yeah. Now again, I'm, I'm preaching for laziness, which is not a good thing to do, but when the Super Bowl is something though, that like it brings everyone together. Right. Like everyone shares in that moment. And it's not just people watching the game for, oh, I want to watch it because I think the Chiefs pass is really historic and the San Francisco run is different. I want to watch the statistics and how it works. That's not why everybody watches the no, Super Bowl. Some people watch it for the commercials. Some people watch it because they're gambling. They yeah. play the squares game. They don't care about the game. They just care about what the score is at the end of quarters because you can make some really serious cash in those games. There's a lot of people, too, that are just along for the food. Like, Karen might really like to make her seven-layer dip, and it's a banger at the Super Bowl party every mm-hmm. year. And Scott makes a really good crab dip, and everybody gets together for the festivities. And like you said, the commercials. But when the people get together, there's a lot of people that are going to want to see the Chiefs win because of Andy Reid, because he's just such a ball of emotion of sweetheartness that when you think about Andy Reid, and you go back, Nick Price, to the question that I asked Andy Reid, what he did a lot of during the offseason. And he said he enjoyed a lot of chili rellenos. And for those of you, it's a stuffed chili. If you've never had them, they are a poblano chili that is stuffed with pork, beef, and cheese, or one or the other. And then they are battered and fried and served covered in salsa. And uh, basically, it's described as heaven on a plate. That's what Andy Reid enjoys. Andy Reid enjoys being the foodie. Like, you saw Andy Reid on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives with our mm-hmm. guy, Guy Fieri. Flavortown, baby. Flavortown, USA. Out of bounds. Too legit to quit. And then you heard the audio for Monday that Andy Reid said he enjoyed the victory afterwards. 
with a cheeseburger and going to bed. Mm -hmm. Those are types of things you just find a connection to because you're like, that's hilarious. Right. You just, He's just a lovable guy, he's you know? Just, and he's We're going to see some Hawaiian shirts in the next couple weeks. That's what I'm saying. Everybody like loves a good Tommy Bahama Hawaiian shirt on Andy Reid. Everybody does. And that's what I'm saying is that, like, you look at coaches like Bill Belichick, and hell, we'll even go down the list, Tony Dungy, uh, Bill Cower. Those guys don't scream off the page of, like, you know what? I really want to see this guy win one. Like, Dick Vermeil is, like, the last type of coach that I can think of where people are just like, you know, this guy's emotional. He's an older guy. He's a crier. He loves this team. He's, you know, he's got all these type of accolades mm -hmm. behind him. Andy Reid has all of that, but he also has the I've never won it before. And it's like the last thing that everyone says that I need yeah. to be universally known as a great coach. Right, because if you look at the NFL right now, your top three coaches are probably Belichick, Reid, and Sean Payton. I would assume in your top five, you might throw Mike Tomlin in there and you might throw in Pete Carroll, Tomlin, Carroll, Belichick, all have rings. All of them. Sean Payton, four of those five have rings. One guy doesn't. Andy Reid, Pete Carroll has had scandals in USC. Sean Payton was suspended for a year for the whole rip the head off the monster mentality. Mm -hmm. Bill Belichick is just a richer. He doesn't high five kids and comes out like Stone Cold Steve Austin, a hoodie. And is also notorious known as a cheater. And then you look at Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's cool, but he's serious. Cool. Mm -hmm. Like he's like, don't mess with me. Let me coach my team. I'm all business. That's not like a lovable personality trait. And you look at Andy Reed, a guy who has 200 plus wins. If he wins the Super Bowl, he'll have 222, and it would be then his first Super Bowl title. And like I said before in earlier segments, yes, the Kansas City Chiefs can become hated if they stay dominant. But right now, in this matchup, Andy Reid is the guy who smashes cheeseburgers after winning an AFC championship, who likes chili rellenos, who likes to hang out and just talk about food. And the other thing that makes Andy Reid so likable is that he's humorous with himself, and he makes himself be... Like, he has humility within himself. Like, mm -hmm. he knows he's a big guy. He wears Air Force Ones, yeah. and it's known and fun. He wears Tahami Bahama Hawaiian shirts, and it's fun. When he goes to the coaches' meeting at the end of the year, there's Andy Reid in the group photo. Everybody else is in, like, business attire. He's in a Hawaiian shirt. And around the league, it is notoriously known that Andy Reid is basically one of the biggest sweethearts in the league. And if you don't believe what I'm telling you, and you think that I'm being a homer, here was James Palmer of NFL Network with about a minute and 28 seconds of what the league and Mike Vrabel even said about Andy Reid getting a Super Bowl title this year. They want to see Andy Reid get there and win a Super Bowl. It's really the only thing he hasn't done this in his career, one of the winningest coaches in NFL history. Actually, this morning, when I asked him about everybody reaching out, he told me right before he got to the podium is when he finally got back and got finished getting back to every single person that reached out to him. One of those people that was really watching him on that stage was Jason Kelsey. I ran into him on the field last night. You know, his brother Travis obviously playing for the team, and Jason is in this league because of Andy Reid when he brought him in as a center with the Philadelphia Eagles, and he just told me, I want to see Andy Reid win a Super Bowl. That would mean so much to me. Mike Vrabel, even before this game started, said 
that the league is a better place because of people like Andy Reid. And Andy Reid was a great mentor to him in his search going out and interviewing for different head coaching candidacies. Dave Tobe, their special teams coordinator here, said if they win the Super Bowl, he will not stop hugging and crying while he's doing it <laughs> with Andy Reid. And Eric Bieniemy, who's also a great friend of his and the offensive coordinator, couldn't even describe what his emotions would be if Andy Reid ends up winning a Super Bowl. And lastly, Patrick Mahomes added that he will be more happy for Andy to win a Super Bowl than he will be for himself. The coaching tree that is around the league with Andy Reid and everybody in this league that cares so much about him, I think, is rooting for Big Red to get himself a Super Bowl, really the one thing he has yet to do. So there's the storyline that I just described to you wrapped up in a nutshell from James Palmer. You think about it, Belichick, Cower, Dungy, none of those guys are fun, yet alone funny. They don't make themselves funny either. Then you tack on the gear, and if what Big A is rocking a Hawaiian shirt in Miami with flip-flops, you're down. You saw when he raised the AFC Championship trophy, he was smacking that gum and just looked like a guy that you could go kick it with for about three hours on the couch. And to give you a little inside story of what my friend ran into a few years back, he was at a red light. He looks over to his right, and there's like an SUV. It's Andy Reid driving it. My friend looks over, starts doing the Chiefs chop, Next thing you know, Andy Reid looks deadlocked into his eyes, does it right back, the light hits green, and Andy Reid rides off into the night. Awesome. Andy Reid is everybody's favorite head coach right now because there's only two left in the NFL that are out there trying to find one more win. It's Andy Reid, and it's Kyle Shanahan. Well, we don't need Kyle Shanahan to add to his dad's legacy because his dad won it in Denver. I need to be real honest when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen this type of quarterback in the league before. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to 610 Sports Radio. Not Ben Maller. Not the Ben Maller Show. This is Dusty Likens and Nick Price. We have you all the way to 6 a.m. I cannot reiterate this enough. We are doing 50 consecutive hours. It's live. It's local. It's not on a Saturday. Nope. It's on a Tuesday, I think. I think we're at Tuesday. What day is it? I believe Tuesday. Yeah, it's Tuesday. I just looked it up. Okay. They're all starting to run together at this point, but we're here. I'm here for you. I feel like I could have easily saved about $40 in gas if they had just let me have my air mattress up here. They not allow it? I don't think so. I think it's like considered like unsanitary. What, to like, but Bink lives here. You just bunk with him, right? No, Bink lives under a bridge like a troll. <laughs> and he just, if you ask him three questions, he'll leave you alone. You got to pay the troll toll. Yeah, you just got to ask him three questions. And he'll just pick, I, I don't know, after the third one, you'll just be able to walk on. But if you let him control it, he'll just over, he'll just be louder than you. That's how he wins arguments. He just talks louder than you. He did it today. But in all seriousness, The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, and you just get the feeling it's their time. When you think about last year's Super Bowl, and you saw how New England just so easily handled the Los Angeles Rams, like you saw how Belichick just out-schemed Sean McVay, and it wasn't even funny. You saw how much better of a quarterback Tom Brady was than Jared Goff. And you thought to yourself, 
yeah, the NFL season is a long season. You know, you got to have talent. You got to have, you know, health. You got to have all this type of stuff to make it through. And you yeah, got some things fall your way, too. Yeah, it doesn't happen if you don't get to the Super Bowl without that happening, right? Like, you can't have Matt Moore coming out and beating the Minnesota Vikings um, and Dalvin Cook only rushing for like 70 yards and Stephon Diggs getting one catch for four. But when it comes to the Super Bowl, all of the regular season, as cliche as this may sound, is completely washed. And it really is head coach and quarterback and then the teams. And when we talk about the two teams moving into this game and who has represented a head coach and quarterback for both teams, it's not even close who the better duo is in this situation. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are many, many miles ahead of Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think that's even a slight on Kyle Shanahan. He's done a nice job so far out there. It's more talking about Jimmy G. Yeah, and that's where this conversation ultimately ends up. Now, I'm not here to let people know that Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the average person could tell you that. I think that's a pretty obvious statement. What I will tell you is that as good as Jimmy Garoppolo has been promised, he's nowhere near what the NFL might be as a talent. Was that Jay Binkley? No, uh, it was somebody from engineering. They're like, "You're are you guys going 24 hours a day from now on? Are we seriously still getting like, these no, questions? Just, just today. It's like yesterday and today, and then, you know, like back to normal. Tomorrow. Why is everyone who works here not <laughs> on the system know. but us? Right. 50 consecutive hours of sports radio to 50 represent hours. 50 years of Kansas City Chiefs football. I cannot be clear enough. That's what we're doing. It's not Ben Maller. It's not national shows. We're doing 50 consecutive freaking hours on the air because it's the 50th year of the Kansas City Chiefs. Back to the topic. My God. But it's not close when it comes to Garoppolo and Patrick Mahomes. That's obvious. We get that. When it comes to Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo, two different tales of the tape. Jimmy Garoppolo came up behind Tom Brady. A lot of people were like, well, when Tom went out, Jimmy G stood in, did pretty good. Yeah, Matt Castle did the same thing. You saw what happened when Matt Castle got away from New England. Yeah, he went 11-5 and five as a starter. Didn't win the AFC East. Got second place. But you've seen what Patrick Mahomes has done as a starter. First year as a rookie, sat behind Alex Smith. Learned the game from that point of view. Second year. MVP, third year, Super Bowl. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo has had decent games, but his best game is like Mahomes' fourth best game. That game that he had against New Orleans where he threw for 400-plus yards, four touchdowns, interception, that was a good game from Jimmy Garoppolo. But that is to where it's like it's the outlier type of game. Patrick Mahomes didn't throw for five touchdowns this year until against the Houston Texans. He doesn't need to. He threw for four a lot, three a lot, two, one. 
had one game all year where he only threw zero touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo had five. Pat's the kid who has all the talent, and Jimmy G has all the promise. Like, you grew up with kids like this playing Little League football. I know you did. There was always that kid that played Little League sports or played high school sports that was attractive, had that, like, smile that lit up a room, but just never really was as talented as the other kid who was a little more rough around the edges, had the explosive arm, the raw talent, but for some reason a lot of people always lean towards the handsome, well-dressed, bright smile because it was just the total package. That's what Jimmy Garoppolo is when it comes to the image of the sport. Patrick Mahomes is already selling more jerseys than Jimmy Garoppolo ever will. He's already setting numbers that Jimmy Garoppolo never will get to. And the teams that Jimmy Garoppolo plays for, the San Francisco 49ers, it's not built around him. It's built around the system that is the San Francisco 49ers. The Kansas City Chiefs are built around Patrick Mahomes. Now the defense, okay, the defense is a different story. The Niners are built around a defensive system team. They have a front seven. They used a lot of first round picks to build that team. They went out and traded for, they went out and signed D Ford as a free agent to make that pass rush even better. San Francisco 49ers style of play with Jimmy Garoppolo, real simple. Three and out, get good field position, run your tight end, and run your offense through the running back system. They play a game a lot similar to how Navy plays football in college football. There was a point last night I saw the graphic from like a screenshot of the fourth quarter, and it said, had not attempted a pass since 2-11 remaining in the second. Right. It's something that you'll never, ever see from the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Right. And again, we're not here to compare apples and oranges, and we'll get into a little bit right. more of the matchup. But what I'm here to tell you is that when it comes to the Super Bowl, the most important game of the entire year, you have to look at head coach and quarterback. The most important positions on a football team. And when you take away the head coaches because it's not fair, because Shanahan's been in the league, I don't know what's more unfair. Andy Reid versus Shanahan or Patrick Mahomes versus Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, this postseason, is 17 of 26 for 208 yards, one touchdown interception. Patrick Mahomes, this postseason, just in the second quarter, is 16 of 23 for 209 yards, five touchdowns, and one interception. That's nope. as fair as nope I can it. get. And zero interceptions. That's as fair as I can get when it comes to comp- compositions and numbers. So when we talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo before. It's Troy Aikman. It's exactly what it is. It's a team that he just doesn't screw up on and lets the team do their thing. Whereas, like, with Patrick Mahomes, who is a lot like Brett Favre, Tom Brady-esque. Like, Tom Brady, the system is just an anomaly in itself. But when you look at guys like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes, those are the kind of guys that you can take over on the side of the field and say, hey, Go win me a championship where you look at guys like Garoppolo and Aikman and it's just, hey, hey, just stay calm and let the team do its thing. That's the difference in the two quarterbacks. That's where I've got to get extremely real when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo and it comes to Patrick Mahomes. But some of that you might have already known here in Kansas City. Sometimes the D coordinator needs himself 
a quarterback. Out of bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. You're two and a half hours away from your main slate. That's right, Nick Price. We are two and a half hours of almost getting to that bed. I feel confident that we're going to make it there. I feel better than I felt at the at beginning. Yeah, like 1.30, 1 o'clock or so when we were up here. We've been up here for a couple hours at that point, like planning the show. It's like, yeah. man, I don't know how we're going to do this thing. I think it's like the same problem as like when you get into your car before you go like on a field trip. Where you get in your car and you're like, the first like 15 minutes, you're amped up and yoked. You're like, all right, we're going to the lake. And then you're like, oh man, we still have like two hours and 45 minutes to go. Mm-hmm. And like that sits in to where you're like, okay. And it's like you said, we got up here at like 1030 uh, yesterday morning or yesterday evening. I'm so confused. Basically. We got up here at 1030 on Monday night and we're like, okay, we've got the show ideas. We got to plug it in. We got to figure out where we're going to put where at. And then you kind of, like, get that done. Then you're like, oh, my God, we're still two hours away from even going on air. Then it's four hours. And then we got to just kind of, like, start putting things together. And now that everything's rolling, you look at the clock and you're like, oh, my God. All right. So in about 27 minutes, it'll be 4 o'clock. See, I'm trying to not look at the clock because then, like, maybe I can kind of trick myself into, hey, it's a different time of the day. It's not. Um, I know it's not. Yeah. It doesn't also help that, like, I don't think I've seen the sunshine since I don't know when. No, I, like, I went home and I slept for, like, three hours and I woke up and there was snow on the ground. Right. And it just freaked me out. Yeah, so at the other... I was like, how long have I been asleep? Yeah, so at, like, my day job um, at the restaurant, I worked yesterday 10.30 to, like, 3. And I when we got there, I was like, man, I had no idea it was supposed to snow. And one of the guys that knows that I do radio was like, yeah, but haven't you, like, technically been, like, in a room just talking sports for, like, the last, like, 14 hours? I'm like, yeah, you're kind of right. He's like, so I don't know if you've even looked at your radar. But then again, I don't think anybody thought it was supposed to snow yesterday. No. It's always funny, like, how weathermen can, like, try to reamp their forecast in the middle of something. Like, remember a couple weeks ago it was supposed to snow, like, its ass off, and we got, like, maybe, like, an inch, and we mm-hmm. missed the storm? And... Like, I remember after, like, it didn't hit, like, what initially it was supposed to hit. I remember, like, several meteorologists were like, we're still getting snow. Some reports up north say we got, they got three inches. I'm like, yeah, that's, like, north of Maryville. Like, of course they got that. But you are talking about our metro area. We did not get the six to nine inches of snow that you said. And they're like, we got the temperature right. You're like, yeah, but you had thousands of people running to the store to get milk, bread, and eggs, and it's not happening. And then when the snow does happen out of their, like, control, they'll just do this. Well, that's what can happen with an Arctic blast. Mother nature, you know? Yeah. Unpredictable. You never know. And I get it. Like, weathermen are supposed to get it as accurate as possible, and it's basically a hypothesis. Like, it's an educated guess of what should come, and 90% of the time, they're damn near right. But, boy, did they miss on that last snowstorm. And I don't think any of them knew that there was supposed to be snow to yesterday. But it was interesting, like, working in the morning and, like, looking outside and being like, what? Why is it snowing this much? And I know that up north, uh, where Binkley lives, I think they got, like, almost three inches of snow yesterday, which was kind of interesting. Seriously? I think so. I got, like, like a a very light dusting out in Westport. 
I want to say Lee Summit got like almost an inch. Like we had a guy cleaning out the parking lot. Like he had like a snow, he had like a plow. He was cleaning the parking lot. Um, I think it's interesting that a lot of people will talk about, which is just so crazy how it says right now on NFL Total Access, Chiefs D coordinator Steve Spagnuolo insisted bringing Tyron Matthew to lead the Chiefs defense. I can't segue that into what this next topic is about. As James Palmer's beautiful hair is on TV right now, that guy has basically lived in Kansas City this entire season. But when it comes to the Badger, that is Spagnola's Patrick Mahomes. And what I mean by this is that, yes, safeties can be the quarterback of the defense if you want to throw in like a sports cliche, or he's the center fielder of the defense on on that side of the ball. But when we go back and look at when Tyron Matthew was signed by this team, it was after Steve Spagnola was signed as a defensive coordinator, and a lot of people had asked themselves, you know, does Spag still have the capability of leading a defense? I think that's been answered. And I think the other thing that's been answered is the fact that we have Tyron Matthew on this team who is the quarterback of the defense, the glorified leader of the defense. Now, Frank Clark is on that defense, but Frank Clark is more so that dog, that you got to get through me if you want to get to anybody else type of mentality when it comes to the Chiefs defense. When it comes to Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, the landlord, that is one of those things where, like, when he looks at Steve Spagnola and Steve Spagnola looks at him, it's basically like, hey, just go take care of your job and get it done. They have the trust. He knows he's the field general. He's the quarterback of the defense. He plays the field how Tyron Matthew sees it. And just like how Mahomes could have been the missing link for Andy Reid, Tyron Matthew, a.k.a. the Honey Badger, a.k.a. the Landlord, is the missing link for Steve Spagnola. Now, Steve Spagnola has had plenty of track records of having a well-coached and a respectable defense behind him. He loves the 4-3. He loves to rush. He loves to blitz. But when it comes to Tyron Matthew, and like I just read you the graphic, it was Steve Spagnola who insisted that Tyron Matthew be the quarterback of this led defense. And I can't be more specific when I say this defense is clearly moving forward in the way that it should because of who Tyron Matthew is and the freedom that he's been given to freelance this defensive field. You look at what he does. He points to the head. You look at what he says. He's got all these mentalities, these championship-style swagger. When he speaks in the locker room, people tend to listen. That's how they move forward with this defense. He's able to recognize, adjust, and let people know where they need to be. You would have never gotten this from a guy like a Bob Sutton. Bob Sutton's main message after he was let go, everything was pretty locked and hush-hush when Bob Sutton was in the position as defensive coordinator. But one thing that we knew coming from away from that when Bob Sutton was gone is that he just expected players to make plays. He expected people to stick to the game plan, stick to the script. He wasn't going outside of what the game plan was or what the, I guess, what the change of the defense could have been. It was, we'll stick to our guns, we'll do this, we'll keep moving forward the way that it goes. You're seeing that with Steve Spagnola and Tyron Matthew, that there's trust. Not only that, but you're seeing leadership capabilities when it comes to the Badger, when it look at young Juan Thornhill. 
Juan Thornhill was making himself a case as a rookie defender of the year because of the development that he had underneath Tyron Matthew. You look at what Andy Reid did before the season even started. You know who Tyron Matthew's roommate was in training camp? Dan Sorensen. You know who's been playing their ass off in his new role the last few weeks, especially in the playoffs? Dan frickin' Sorensen. You know what Dan Sorensen does after he makes a play? He points to his head. He does the badger mannerisms. He's bought in on the quarterback of the defense that is Tyron Matthew. And you look at this locker room. You look at what this team continually, repetitively says. Championship swagger, different type of defense, new mentality. That all came because of Tyron Matthew and Steve Spagnuolo being able to take over this defense and give it the type of mannerisms that they've been able to give it. And like I've said, Juan Thornhill was the student this year, and he's learning from the teacher. And Dirty Dan, who's clearly older than Tyron Matthew, who's been in this league longer than Tyron Matthew, knows that if he wanted to play longer and on this field as a more vital position, that he would have to listen to Tyron Matthew, soak it all in, and it's paid off because, yes, you might run into people that are younger than you. They might be more talented than you. But if you can humble yourself and let them be the teacher and the professor and the person that they can be, they can make you better whether you want to believe it or not. Well, I'm sure that everybody saw that video going around from the locker room of Spagnolo with his arm around Tyron Matthew, and they're right. both talking to the media together. Like, that's the same exact vibe that you get from Andy when he's with Pat. Like, right. this is his guy, and this is somebody who he can just rely on to, like, hey, I can't do it all myself. I need someone that I can trust that is actually out there doing the thing that can even relate on a different level to right. these guys and make sure that everybody's out there doing their job. Andy has Pat. Spags has Tyron Matthew. Right. That's as simple as that. And to just kind of piggyback on top of that, it's just been one of those additions that when teams go to Super Bowls and you look back and you have to take the whole season and dissect it, kind of like what we're doing on this day, on Tuesday morning at 341 in the, in the morning on Tuesday morning, like that's one of them because that's the type of things that get teams to the Super Bowl. Last year, you didn't have this. You lost in the AFC Championship. Now you have it. You're going to the Super Bowl. Pam and KC, you agree that he's the quarterback of the defense? Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly, but I do have a question. What's up? Uh, I thought I thought they felt that way about Chris Jones, and they were panicking when he, when he couldn't play. So, and I appreciate the call, Pam, and I'll, I'll explain this the best way I can. Chris Jones plays a position that doesn't really have a vocal point on the field. Now, when they make a play, you damn well know where Chris Jones is because he's just so big and he can disrupt the backfield. But Tyron Matthew plays that freelance position where he's the safety and he kind of moves up to the line, moves back, and everybody knows whether they see him or not. They know whose voice it is, whereas Chris Jones' job is just to blow up through the trenches. It's kind of like a catcher in baseball, Dusty. Right. Like, Tyron Matthews Center sitting fielder. back there, and he can see the whole field. Right. You know? Yeah. And no. so they're supposed to be one of the leaders because they can make sure that everyone's in the right spot. Lori from Texas, you want to talk about the weathermen and the Chiefs? Go ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. What's up? I was just calling. Um, been a fan for, well, I was born in 63, so I didn't know the Chiefs never did exist before. Right. And it's so wonderful and great. And hope you make it through your 50 hours. <laughs> Thank you, you very much. Good job. I've been listening to you all the time through the app. And, um, 
my deal with Weatherman, I know you guys were talking about it because of your weird schedule this week, but the only job you can be wrong so often and still get to keep. So It's a hell of a gig, a isn't day. it? Pardon? I said it's a hell of a gig, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. But, you know, just enjoying this time with the Chiefs. And I'm down here in Texas, and I wear my chief stuff and every and, it, and at work and everyone's like oh you got to change you got to become a texan fan or a cowboys fan it's like nope been with them this long i'm going to keep with it you know i've been through all those terrible seasons all those you know just almost bins and and it's it's like finally finally i'm just huh and, and I have grandkids now, and they get to see this, so I'm just excited. That's awesome, Lori. Thanks for the phone call. Stay safe down there in Texas and have a good time rooting on your Kansas City Chiefs. And to those people that tell you that you have to root for somebody, you tell them to go kiss something or kick rocks with an open-toed shoes on. That's all I can give you for advice when it comes to that. You keep being a Chiefs fan. You don't want to be a Texans fan. You want to root for Bill O'Brien? No. That guy's got an ass for a chin. Andy Reid's got one of the sexiest mustaches and eats cheeseburgers before he goes to bed. This team, this team this year in Kansas City, I have to be honest, it seems to be the most sound and balanced Chiefs team I've ever seen. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. The studio just smells like Jay Binkley's back. I am so glad I'm on the other side of the glass. Just smells like chew, energy drinks, Dr. Pepper, Mountain Dew, and just like somebody who doesn't have a voice. Welcome back to Big Night. Sup, Nick? Go Chiefs from the 913 on the Smitty's Garage Burgers and Beer text line. That's what I'm talking about. Damn. Is that a frat boy up at 349 in the morning? I don't know. It's got to be. Let's check it out. He's checking his phone. Like, we're officially on NFL Network on the TVs in here, but everything's infomercials. That's how you know how early it is. Oh, shout out, shout out Josh Bentley. All right. Yeah. Does he drive a Bentley? I don't know. I don't That's know if Carrington he, Harrison's dream car. Yeah? Man, he says one day What's he wants your dream to own car? It. Me? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, shoot, I don't know. I don't, I'm not really into, like, cars. I'm not that into cars. Like the one either. I have now is pretty sweet. Like, I've always thought like a like a cool pimped out like Escalade, just like really nice inside, nice SUV. Yeah. That'd be cool. I'd like a Range Rover on all wood. Yeah, that'd be kind of nice. Because if I'm gonna get like a trickster type of, if I'm gonna get like a really nice car, I'm getting one that's like all terrain. Like I don't want like I've never been into like Are you sports big? cars. Uh, he says he drives a Kia, so mm. not quite a Bentley. Kia was my nickname at my first radio intern job across Kia. the city. Yeah, what? with the with the other guys. Why was that? It was an acronym. It stood for Know It All. Ah, yeah. I was a. I in- thought they were like you're the Kia of sports talk people. No, that would be worse. Um, no, I interned under a Sarin Petro mm-hmm. um, of all people to talk about, and uh, yeah, that's what his nickname was that he gave me. Um. <clears throat> I feel like this is a tale of two tapes um, when it comes to this game. And I think it's funny because right now, if you go on to um, 
Well, Coach Jason Brown is up from Last Chance U. I wish I could say the name of his podcast on the air, but it uh, it would not be appropriate. Um, <clears throat> I think it's interesting when you think about the Super Bowl because right now a lot of people are trying to be, like, ahead of the curve. They're trying to figure out, like, it's more than just, like, the Joe Montana Bowl. It's more than all this stuff. And, and <clears throat> I stumbled across this article from Sporting News And it said the three worst early narratives for Super Bowl 54. Myth narrative number one is it's the 49ers elite defense versus the Chiefs explosive offense. The article says the Chiefs did score 86 points in two playoff games and the 49ers scored only 64. But the Chiefs had to dig out of double digit holes in both games while the 49ers faced little resistance and could could go run heavy to chew away the clock in the second half. The 49ers are a lot more two-dimensional, number two in rushing and number 13 in passing, while the Chiefs were number 23 in rushing and number five in passing. So, okay, it is true. The Niners had the number three total defense in contrast to the Chiefs ranking number 17th there, but the Chiefs actually had a slightly better scoring defense, number seven, as 19.3 points allowed per game, and the Niners ranking eighth with 19.4 points per game. So pretty dead even there. It also goes on and says San Francisco finished number one against the pass, but Kansas City wasn't far behind at number eight, improving vastly from number 31 a season ago. The Chiefs still aren't getting enough credit for their improved defense while switching to a 4-3 base defense under Steve Spagnola. Starting up front with Pro Bowl defensive lineman Chris Jones, Frank Clark through the cornerback, Brashad Breland, and safety Tyron Matthew, the Chiefs boast their share of, distri- of disruptors. They much mangled run defense, rebounded matchups against the Texans and the Titans, and the coverage and pressure hasn't let them down much. So stop comparing Super Bowl 54 to classic offense versus defense matchups of Super Bowl pass because this isn't one of those. The Niners and Chiefs each did pretty well on both sides of the ball to get to Super Bowl 54. Where we start with that cutaway is, yes, the Chiefs defense, like we said last year, just can't be in the bottom five. It just needed to be in the middle of the pack. It's a little bit better than the middle of the pack. Like yeah, it's it even better than anybody would have, like, if you could have asked Chiefs fans, like, right. where do you want your defense to rank this year? Where do you think it needs to rank? I think a lot of people would have said, like, you know, the lower 20s. Right. Like, somewhere between, like, 20, 23, maybe, that would be good enough. And, like, where the Chiefs are is they rank total number 17. But then if you, like, peel away the onion... They're eighth when it comes to scoring defense. I'm sorry, they're seventh. So, like, they're only giving up 19.3 points per game. And, again, how many of those numbers get skewed towards the end of games where the Chiefs are just giving up those 150 yards in the fourth quarter because all they're doing is playing a soft zone and letting the clock run so they can get out of the, out of the game? And at the end of the day, like, what matters for a defense? Hold the other team to as right. few points as possible. Exactly. And they do the seventh least in football. And then when you move on from that, it says myth number two of lazy narrative is it's the 49ers dominant running game versus the Chiefs dangerous passing game. The 49ers followed up rushing for 186 yards against the Vikings in the divisional playoff round by pounding a ridiculous 285 on the Packers. Garoppolo completed only 11 passes against the Vikings before attempting only eight against the Packers. Garoppolo passed for 3,900 yards and averaged 30 attempts per game during the regular season while throwing 27 touchdowns and a rating of 102.0 uh, at 8.4 yards per attempt. 
The Chiefs averaged only 98.1 yards rushing per game at 4.2 per attempt during the regular season. But they outrushed the Texans 118 to 94, and they outrushed Derrick Henry and the Titans 112 to 85. Mahomes was responsible for 106 of those yards, exactly 53 in each game. So to lead the team in both games, but this sudden big-time scrambling can't be ignored as a real factor in Super Bowl 54. Damian Williams also has finished drives rushing with three of his four playoff touchdowns while also making key catching passes out of the backfield. The Niners did give up four and a half yards per carry, and it's also important to note that not only the Bengals and the Browns allowed more rushing yards on average per game to QBs, Jackson, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray all caused issues when they all took off running or extended their plays. San Francisco might lean toward running more and be more effective by doing so, but Kansas City is capable of doing more damage on the ground than it might seem on the surface of this lazy narrative. I can't emphasize this much more. Patrick Mahomes, when he is able to get the defense to just think that he might take off for a run, it makes him that more dangerous. Like, I get it, right? Like, you don't want to see Patrick Mahomes run the ball a lot. You want to see Patrick Mahomes more so, like, create time, get plays to develop, and then throw. But if Patrick Mahomes can just take off four or five times a game and average 10 yards a carry, that's 50 yards in just the quarterback's hands. Damian Williams can easily get you 50 yards. Boom. Magic number. Chiefs are 100 yards on rushing. They throw for 300. Total yards, 400. Easy math. You can't say that it's the Chiefs' pass versus the Niners' run because let's say the Super Bowl ends up being the Chiefs get out to a 14-0 lead. Now, that would be really different for the Chiefs, right? They want you right. to really earn this win. That's sarcasm. But what is different about this game is, is that everything that is already fast in the playoffs gets extremely faster in the Super Bowl. And, yes, the Niners are going to want to run the ball, but the Texans wanted to run the ball, got outran by the Chiefs. The Titans wanted to run the ball with King Henry, got outrushed by the Chiefs. Mahomes has 106 yards so far in the playoffs as a rushing quarterback, something that nobody saw because they weren't healthy in the regular season. And when it comes to the playoffs, you're going to do what you can do to put yourself in the best situation. And if the Chiefs come out against the Niners and Damian Williams is able to take off for five yards a carry every time, they're probably going to keep feeding him until they can't. Well, and there's just too many weapons on this offense, too. Like you heard Andy and I think Pat talked about it after the game, too. They're like, these scrambles are there. Because they're double-teaming Travis Kelsey and they're double-teaming Tyree Kill. And then that all of a sudden, your front four is coming down to try to get the sack. If they don't get the sack, right. you got miles ahead of you for run. And the last lazy narrative that I won't get into depth is, is that it's the NFL's best team versus the NFL's best player. I don't believe that one bit. I don't think San Fran's the NFL's best team. I do believe that Patrick Mahomes is the best player. When it came to teases in the last segment, I jumped the gun a little bit, but that's good because this last myth of the of the three storylines that you shouldn't really pay much attention to when it comes to the NFL's best team versus the NFL's best player, this has to be the most sound and complete best Chiefs team we've ever seen. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 